With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the world famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Call Jiggy right now. 267-22-Jiggy. Presenting Jiggy Jaguar. Yes, indeed, it is the world famous Jiggy Jaguar radio broadcast. We are live, coast to coast, boner to boner on iHeartRadio today. Also, 50 plus AM FM stations across the country and around the world. You can go to our website, JiggyJaguar.com, and get all of our interviews, past, future, and uh, present interviews over there. Live video on Twitch. We also uh, have live video on something called Odyssey, whatever the hell that is. And, of course, you can get a hold of us at Twitch, Jiggy Jaguar on uh, Jiggy Jaguar Show, I think is the uh, is the name. But just go to our website. We've got it embedded over there. And I'd much rather send people to our website than send them to Twitch. But uh, <laughs> we have got a great guest to kick off our broadcast day here on our big program. And uh, before we get to that, I want to thank our good friends at KFRK in Dinbaugh for joining us here on our big broadcast. We go to the telephones. Go ahead and uh, give me a brief introduction on yourself, my friend. Tell us a bit about yourself. Well, thank you for having me today, and I love the energy that you have. My name is Dr. Gwyneth Nelson. I am the Executive Director of the South Carolina Institutes of Innovation and Information that focuses on the seven HBCU institutes in South Carolina. Um, We are definitely committed to promoting access to quality training and research that will help with the students, faculty, and staff in being ready to meet the, de- the actual demands of the ever-changing world, not just in the United States, but the ever-changing world. That is So awesome. that is what South Carolina Institutes of Innovation and Information is, and that's who I am. That is awesome. So, uh, Dr. Nelson, tell us a bit about some of your, your, your latest projects with this organization. Okay. So the seven institutes in South Carolina, we have Allen University, which is the Bowen Institute of Civility, and it focuses on civility and the need for people to be kind to one another. As you know, that is definitely a need in this day and age. Yes. We also have Benedict <laughs> Very College, much so. which, has, yeah, which has the best institute, and that focuses on business, entrepreneurship, science, technology. We have Claflin, which focuses on teaching, education, and nursing. Again, as you know, there is definitely a need for both. Clinton College is wellness and community that focuses, it's called WACH, W-A-C-H. So each school has its own acronym, which focuses on different areas. Morris College has cybersecurity. Um, South Carolina State is BECT, B-E-C-T, that has to do with business, environment, communications, um, and um, t- transportation. 
And then lastly, but not least, Voorhees University has to do with the implementation and bringing the rural community development together um, for the greater good of the institute and the university. So those are the focuses on of the seven HBCUs. Um, We've had rollouts of each one to introduce to the nation and to the community. Um, We are moving in the direction of ensuring that these institutes not only receive federal money from the state, but also financial support um, from individuals, corporations, foundations, in order to ensure that it is everlasting. That is awesome. That is fantastic. So tell me, tell me a little bit about uh, why this has all come together. Give, give, give us a little bit of a history on this whole thing. So Senator John L. Scott, who this is his vision, um, he is a state senator here in South Carolina. Many years ago, over 20 years ago, he implemented the process of, the, of HBCUs getting lottery money or the schools in South Carolina getting lottery money. Um, and he wanted to specifically focus focus on the HBCUs. And so in order to improve, um, you know, the, the outreach for our students and, and the growth of it, he created these institutes. And he created the idea for these institutes. And so for the last year, I have been the executive director, and I have been charged with ensuring that not only that the money that's been appropriated from the legislator, that they are spending, the schools are spending the money in the manner in which they should, but also to get additional funding. Because we want this, I mean, it's great, it's huge, it's awesome, but we want to ensure that it continues to be that and that it continues to grow. So each institute is focusing on getting students, the curriculum, faculty and staff to do research, um, having lectureships, and that is that has been the focus so far. Fantastic. We have got uh, Dr. Gwyneth Nelson with us today. She joins us live. The director is with us here on our big program talking a little bit about this incredible project that she is involved in. So what has been some feedback that you guys have gotten on this project since this has uh, launched and uh, gotten out there? Mm -hmm. So we have had tremendous um, positive feedback because it hasn't been anything like this implemented in the the country. And so, of course, you have um, some institutes, larger institutes, larger uh, colleges and universities who have institutes, but specifically for HBCUs to have something of this magnitude and have not only the political figures, but also the educational institutes, um, the students who have been very, um, very excited about it, like with Morris College and cybersecurity. We actually already had a graduating class, and it wasn't that many, but to even have that opportunity for those students and, and to have them placed 100% in that field of cybersecurity with the, with the um, average income of over $80,000, that is huge. So for us to only have been really in place for a year, we have made astronomical strides. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. So uh, now that you guys have, have done this, are you th- have you thought about maybe expanding this uh, to other states and, and trying to yes, get things so going like this? Right. So it's very interesting. 
Um, we have had others who have reached out to us. Um, for example, a, co- a couple HBCUs in North Carolina have reached out to us and said, hey, how can we implement this at our school? And so what we're trying to do is just make sure that we have, you know, that, that we have established, and when I say established, well-established the institutes in South Carolina before we expand. But please know that we are very excited and happy to share our blueprint for others so that they can, you know, that they can have this outstanding program also. We just want to make sure that we have, that we, we've done the, the best that we can do here in South Carolina and really get it up and running. That's awesome. So getting this uh, together down there in South Carolina, what has the impact been so far? So we have not had a chance, to, because it's still new, so we don't have yeah. the quantitative data yet to say, you know, for example, with the nursing program at, um, at Claflin or the education the program at Claflin, to say, okay, last year X amount of students graduated, but with the institute we were able to increase that. So that is exactly what we're trying to do now is make sure that we have a, you know, that we're able to track that success. So I can only tell you that, you know, the qualitative um, and the positive feedback is what we're going on now. But I like to see, you know, numbers to say, hey, we can definitely back it up with numbers to say that it's been a success. So I meet with each one of the institute's executive directors to put in, um, to, to, to create an action plan for the next fiscal year, the next academic year, so that we can come up with that data and really show the, the positive impact that it's having on each institute. Fantastic. We have got a great guest with us today. She joins us live here on our big broadcast. And, uh, Director Nelson, this this has been just such a fabulous time chatting with you. What, what, what are some of the goals that you guys have laid out there that you're going to try to accomplish in the new year? So some of the goals that we have is for each institute to, um, so for example, let me tell you with um, uh, Allen University, theirs is Boeing Civility, School of Civility. They have a location that is phenomenal that is a historical um, building that they are constructing all over again. Well, their goal is to get that completed no later than the spring so that they can have a class um, with the civility. Um, Benedict is kind of the same way in creating an actual location. Um, So several of them have an actual location like Voorhees University. They have their location. So that's one of the main goals. But the other goal, oh, so we have also created a foundation. Um, Robert, Dr. Robert Jennings from Atlanta, Jennings and Associate, he is my CEO of the SCIII Foundation. So we are also in the process of, um, you know, securing more financial support for our institute. So I would say those are probably two of our biggest goals is to ensure that each institute has a physical location and then also to increase private dollars, foundational, you know, dollars, and to create an endowment. So those are some of our larger, I guess, goals, if you will. That's awesome. We have got a great guest with us today. Joins us live here in our broadcast. Director Nelson is with us. 
she is amazing. She has uh, put together some incredible things here with uh, our, our good friend, Mr. Scott, out there in uh, uh, the Carolinas. So what exactly uh, do you guys do now? Now that you've got this all put together, what what, what is next? Like I said, next is securing more financial support. Fantastic. Getting our students, getting our students into um, the institute, um, making sure that our faculty and staff create uh, research grants for research dollars. Um, so those are our next major steps. And everyone is on board. Let me say this. You know, we had a few bumps in the road because it's a new program. Not everyone yes. understood it. Yes. But all of our presidents, the seven HBC presidents, the provost, faculty, and staff, very, very excited about the program. So those are our next step. That's where we've been, and that's where we are, and that's where we're going. That's awesome. Well, you guys are amazing. Uh, I look forward to uh, chatting with you soon. Thanks for making okay. some time for us today. And uh, before we let you go, is there anywhere on the web or, or, or social media that we can send people to, to get more information on you or, and, and the organization? So thank you so much for saying that. We are actually in the process of creating our website. Our website should be up and running um, no later than the beginning of the year. Hopefully, I can come back on your show and tell you more about the website so that people that would be can go awesome. on there and learn more about it. And let me just say thank you so much for taking the time to have us on here because, you, as you know, the more, the more we can get the word out, the more that we can um, you know, talk to people like yourself, like your listening audience, the more awareness that there is and the more um, uh, support, not only financial support, but just support that we can have for the program. And that's definitely needed. So, again, thank you so much for having us on here. Definitely. Well, you are fantastic. Thanks for making some time for us today and uh, appreciate the time and uh, have yourself a uh, wonderful rest of your week. Thank you, my friend. Y- you too. Have a great one. Thank you. Appreciate it. There she goes. Bye bye. Is Director Nelson, and uh, she joins us here in our program. We're going to take a brief time out, and when we come back, we have got more coming up. It is your big broadcast. Back here in a few moments. Let's play. Let's play. Attention Medicare beneficiaries. Are you getting all the benefits you need? If you have Medicare, you may now be able to get new benefits. Benefits may include eyeglasses, wellness visits, gym membership, meal delivery, and hearing aids with low copay. To find out which benefits you qualify for and to find out if you're getting the benefits that you deserve, you need to call Best Medicare. Our licensed insurance agents can look up your current benefits and tell you what additional benefits are available to you. It's easy, just one call. Tell us the deductibles you prefer, the doctors you want to see, and if you want prescription drug coverage. The service is free and you have no obligation. You may even find plans with zero monthly plan premiums, zero co-pays on many services, and zero deductibles. You deserve every medical care coverage benefit out there and we'll help you get them. Call 800-991-7014. 800-991-7014. That's 800-991-7014. And let Best MedCare do the work 
for you. If you have ever thought about remodeling your bathroom but were worried it would take too long or cost too much, then stop worrying. Right now, Jacuzzi Bath Remodel has designed a collection of high-quality custom products and perfected the one-day remodeling experience so you can enjoy your new bathroom faster than ever before. It's a worry-free bath remodel from the most trusted brand name in the business, Jacuzzi. A jacuzzi bath system fits in your existing tub space. It's a no-mess installation with an amazing style selection, factory-certified installers, and a limited lifetime warranty. Call 800-763-8517. That's 800-763-8517. Right now and get 50% off installations with no interest and no payments for 12 months. Replace that old bathtub today with a walk-in shower for a safer bathing experience. If you have lived in your home for over 15 years, it's time to remodel your bathroom for a virtual or in-home appointment. Call 800-763-8517. That's 800-763-8517. 800-763-8517. Log on right now to the Jiggy Jaguar website. We have all the updates and all the bits online at www.jiggyjaguar.com. Welcome back to the big broadcast. We are live coast to coast, border to border on iHeartRadio today. Also, amfm247.com. We've got a great guest we're going to get to here in just a few moments. But we want to tell you about one of our fantastic new marketing partners at Transmedia Worldwide, Pathway to a Brighter Future.com. That's right. Go over. Check out their website at Pathway to a Brighter Future.com. Also, they have a brand new GoFundMe campaign. We need you to go over and support gofund.me slash the number seven the letter f two zero five nine two nine get a pen write this down it's amazing g-o-f-u-n-d dot m-e slash the number seven the letter f two zero five nine two nine and tell them you heard about it here transmedia worldwide more coming up you work hard to provide a better life for your family The only problem is that you now have a tax bill that you can't afford to pay. The IRS is now threatening to garnish your wages and put a levy on your bank account. You can't ignore the IRS. They won't go away on their own. You need help. And you need it now. Give us a call now and we'll create a plan of action for you that we guarantee will work. Stop the harassing phone calls. Stop the threatening letters. Stop wage garnishments. Stop any bank levies. And most importantly, put an end to your tax nightmare once and for all. If you have a tax debt of $10,000 or more, call the tax pros at United Tax Fix today. Representatives are standing by to assist you. Call 800-678-7027. Welcome back to our big broadcast. We are live. Coast to coast, border to border on iHeartRadio today and also AMFM247.com. Tune in, iTunes, and uh, we have got a great guest going to be talking to us here in just a few seconds here on our big program. Mary Beth Albright is going to be with us. She has a fantastic book. It's about eating it's called eat and flourish how food supports emotional well-being and she's with us today here 
on our big broadcast. And we go to the telephones, and we have the fantastic Mary Beth Albright with us today. And uh, Mary, welcome to the big broadcast. How are you, my friend? I'm great. Wow. I, get, I feel like I need to live up to that introduction now. If you could, if I, the fabulousness. I really appreciate it. <laughs> well, I was going to say you're, 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 you're like a, you're like a, 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 you know, shot out of a cannon or you're busier than a fruit merchant or, or, or something. So, uh, uh, oh, I love that. Busier than a fruit merchant. Busier than a fruit merchant. Yes. That's a, <laughs> well, and hopefully the fruit merchants will be even busier after people leave. That's right. Day. That's right. See, it all, it all, it all comes together. It's, 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 it's like a Seinfeld episode. Everything wraps up at the end. Uh, we have always, got always. Mary Beth Albright with us today. Eat and Flourish. It is a, a fantastic book. Tell me, first of all, tell me a little bit about the cover of the book. Oh, I'm so glad that you asked about that. You know, the thing is, is I've grown up my whole life. You, you know, you hear you can't judge a book by its cover. So I, there is great content inside of the book, but I love the cover. I, I, I had a conversation um, with the designers at the publisher, and, and, you know, they came up with this. And it's just, it's a great um, indication of what's inside of the book and what I really tried to get across, which is the pleasure of food and the lushness of food and how food is so much more than just nutrients and so much more than just, you know, the microbiome and inflammation. I get into all of that in the book, but the pleasure of food, is an, there's an entire chapter dedicated to that because pleasure is a type of nourishment. And it's not just me saying that, it's the hard science saying that because I do have a public health background, so everything in this book is hard science, peer-reviewed. That is awesome. We have got a great guest with us today. Mary Beth Albright is with us. Eat and Flourish. It is a fantastic read. She joins us today here on our big program. So this book, incredibly well written. Take me through your writing process. Uh, you know, I think I think with any creative process, it's a bit of a mess. But I will I will tell you that um, from the very beginning. I mean, about fifteen years ago, I was working at the Surgeon General's office, and a study came across my desk that um, finding that omega three fatty acids reduced aggression in people. And I was thinking about that and, you know, wow, that food could really have that kind of impact because even 15 years ago, we thought about science very differently and we thought about anything that wasn't pharmaceuticals, that kind of thing, as as, uh, relegated to complementary and alternative medicine. And I want to be very clear that pharmaceuticals, talk therapy, all the other kinds of evidence-based therapies that are out there, this book is complementary of those things. Right now, we are in uh, a time that we need a lot of tools in our toolbox, right, to, to maintain our emotional well-being, um, and food is absolutely one of them. Because over the past 15 years then, I watched as research piled up about um, how the, the gut microbiome, which are the bacteria living in our body, could affect uh, depression, could affect anxiety, could even just affect how we deal with stress on a day-to-day basis. And reports that the Western diet is associated with depression and anxiety in women and that changing to a Mediterranean diet or a whole food diet could bring people into remission from their symptoms. And so you know, this is a this is a, a an idea of something to do that goes alongside of other things 
that people are doing to try to maintain their emotional well-being. And as I said, a big part of it is food pleasure, because food pleasure enhances emotional well-being and mental health. I mean, I think we all know anecdotally that food makes us feel better. Uh, and one of the people who wrote for the book, for, wrote a blurb for the book, is Jose Andres, the chef who works all over the world feeding people in crisis. And nobody knows the power of a, of a hot meal better than he does. We've got a great guest with us today. She joins us live, Mary Beth Albright, Eat and Flourish. And she's with us today here on our big, big program. So tell me a little bit about what you've gotten as far as feedback uh, so far on the book. Well, it, it, it's been really great. And, and what's, what's surprised, not surprised me, but what's been really pleasant for me is that people like you, um, and like uh, the coverage that the book got over the weekend, are focusing also on um, the the issues that are surrounding our emotional well-being right now. And we, we really need to have those conversations. I mean, you, you were talking about my writing process. I had just gone through a divorce. I'm taking care of a sick parent. Um, you know, I don't need to say there's a pandemic going on. And so um, all of those things together really brought me to the place of saying, okay, so I, I, I've had this public health background, and I have an extensive food writing background, and I'm at the Washington Post now, and I think that the, that the science right now is at a point where it is solid that food and mood are entwined, that we can get to know the connection between food and mood and how to use it rather than labeling emotional eating or denying, like, you know, saying to ourselves, like, well, I shouldn't want to eat that. It shouldn't make me feel better to eat that. But, you know, there, there's, there's real science that, that says that there are ways that you can eat, that what you eat affects how you feel and even can affect your response to stress. And how you feel affects what you eat and how you taste the food. And all of this happens, interestingly, independent of weight. And, you know, around this time of year, everybody's talking about weight, food consumption and stuff. And it, this is a way to look at food that for people who love food, who also, you know, want to live a, a peaceful, um, emotionally balanced life, and also uh, don't want to focus on the sometimes negative, negative messages we get around weight and body image and weight loss. Fantastic. We have got Mary Beth Albright with us today. Eat and Flourish. She joins us here on our big, big program. So what's been some of the feedback you've gotten on the book so far? Any criticism? So, any well, Anything? Uh, yeah, no. Um, so I think um, people are haha <laughs> people are hungry people are hungry for for this kind of information um the feedback that i've gotten is that it is really exciting to have um the the, the knowledge because knowledge is power about what we absolutely know about the food mood connection that there is a gut brain loop that sends messages back and forth and and people are surprised by that um people are people are surprised by that and and seeing that this is you know hard science that's been built up over the past couple of decades um that is a lot of the a lot of the the methodology that um is now looking at the gut microbiome was developed to look at the human genome 
um, as you may remember, 20 years ago it was announced that they they, they had uh, mapped the human genome. But this gut-brain loop um, affects uh, that's how we feel, and the food that we eat affects what the, the, affects the messages that they're sending to each other. Um, so I, it's been it's been really wonderful and uh, and really exciting. We have got Mary Beth Albright with us today. Eat and Flourish. It's the latest from her. So what is next for you as an author? Oh, wow. Um, well, uh, you know, I, I think that this is a great um, impetus for, for writing more recipes. The book does have a few recipes in it. I think it has a dozen recipes in it. And that's something that I've been doing for a while, recipe development, both at the Washington Post and, um, and in various ways before that. And I love that I got to combine recipe writing with some of the deeper science work that, I, that I've done at the Washington Post and at National Geographic before that, and of course at the Surgeon General's office. So I think that doing something that is, um, is, is there's, a, there's a practical section uh, that, that goes over a four-week plan in the book that tells you, you know, how to put the science in action. I think getting even more deeply into that would be a lot of fun. We have got a great guest with us today, Eat and Flourish, Mary Beth Albright with us today. So tell us about your particular writing style. Oh, I love that question because um, yeah, I think journalism right now, and I'm not just talking about you know what people think about like political journalism, or I just think in general writing is getting more personal. Um, and uh, what I tried to do in this book was talk both about um, the science and about my journey that took me to the science. Um, because I am both someone who is an expert in this area and someone who still, um, you know, is, has times that I don't feel great about my relationship with food, right? Um, so there are, there, it, 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 I am both an expert and a community member, which is really a uh, fun place to be. And so I think that that comes across in the writing too. Um, and I, you know, science can be so boring. And the, the great things that, um, that, that, are in the, uh, that are in the reviews that have come out is calling it accessible and entertaining and making it, making it easy to understand. Um, and to me, that's everything because science should be really exciting and it is really exciting, but it can, as I said, it can be really boring when it's presented in a way that is, you know, straightforward or, um, I mean, the, the way that a lot of mental health books are written you would never, you know, you, you feel like you wouldn't buy it for your sister or your mom or whatever. And this is a book that that associates emotional well-being with just our regular day-to-day life and the regular ups and downs that we go through. There's also information in there about specific diagnoses, but um, this is really a handbook for just anybody who's living in the 21st century world. There's a lot going on out there. I don't know if you've noticed. Well, I appreciate you making time for us today. Uh, thanks for making some time. And uh, before we let you go, how do people get the book and get in touch with you online? Well, the book is available wherever books are sold. 
I just saw that um, it just hit number one in a category on Amazon, which is really exciting, um, but also at independent bookstores. And I am uh, at Mary Beth on Twitter, and I am at Mary.Beth at, uh, on Instagram. And I love, love, love hearing about people's food and emotion stories. It's just, it's fascinating. So I'm, I'm collecting those and piling those up and would love for people to get in touch with me about it. Fantastic. Well, you have got a great book. Congratulations on this, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Have yourself a blessed day, my friend. Back at you. Thank you. Appreciate it. There she goes. The fantastic Mary Beth Albright. So we are going to switch gears. We are going to go to our next guest. He is going to join us live here on our big, big program. And uh, the good doctor is going to join us here in just a few moments. Uh, There he is in all his glory. Uh, (laughs) I will have to say uh, that he is one of our favorite people. So I am... uh, so happy that we have got uh, the good Dr. Hadar with us today. So, Doctor, you're going to be part of a uh, huge conference coming up. T- tell us a little bit about this, my friend. Yeah, that's it. Longcovidreset.com. Uh, people can go there right now, register for free. And, um, yeah, it's amazing. There's uh, Pierre Corey showing up, Pierre McCullough. Um, Chris Master, Don, Dr. Mobin Syed. So a lot of the heavy hitters from the FLCCC and then some some others that may be less well-known around the world. But we, in total, we have, I think, 18 people and about four hours of content that's uh, viewable. Um, one of the wow. biggest draws so far has been Pierre Corey's um, you know, content, which is about, it's going to be about two and a half hours of yeah. of content from Pierre Corey and he really for the first time ever goes into his entire protocol so like he just he says okay first I try this and then I try that and then I try this and if this happens then I do that so he he just lays it all out for people um and and then I I do the same with kind of uh the protocol I'm using at my go-to doc and and then we get like additional information on all sorts of things so like everything from medications to lifestyle to diet to like things like cold exposure and sunlight therapy and um, ozone therapy. I mean, just all kinds of things, everything you can imagine, really. Everything that I've found and that other people have found to be helpful for long COVID. Um, and some of the things that people are talking about, I, I learned about them for the first time after talking to these people before the conference. Um, for example, you know, the importance of treating microclots um, and it's really easy. I mean, you just have yep. to get natokinase syrup peptase. But, but the biggest, you know, new piece of information for me was like I had, you know, a lot of people have heard about microclots. It's been in the news and stuff. And so we know that that's going yeah. on. But um, the doctors who are able to look under the microscope on do a live blood analysis, they found the microclots in every long hauler. OK, it's like 100 percent of the wow. time. If you have long COVID, you have microclots or if you have if you have vaccine injury, you have microclots, so there's no doubt about it. And this is in over 1,500 people that have been checked in Europe. Um, the, the test is not, you know, widely available, so you can't just go down to your local lab and ask them to, you know, put your blood under a microscope. Usually, yeah. they don't have a microscope. Um, so th- most of this stuff is automated by machines, right? Like the blood, you know, from your test tube goes into a machine and it just analyzes everything. <clears throat> so it's rare for somebody to put something under a microscope and if they do i mean sometimes they'll do a peripheral blood slide under the microscope but you know it's a very simple process and they're not gonna stain it properly in order to to show the microclots and they may not have the right settings and the right kind of microscope so 
regardless, I mean, it's not that important. The point is that everyone has them. So, you know, you treat them with natokinase and seropeptase, which actually dissolve them. And your body is having a lot of trouble dissolving these things. So that's, that's really important. The other really big takeaway, um, this is something I learned. We have a Facebook group called Long Haul Reset. Uh, on Facebook with about 2,500 members right now. And um, someone there turned me on to this procedure called the stellate ganglion block. And that's where they, they you block, it's, a, it's an injection into the neck on one or both sides. Um, and you block the outflow of the sympathetic nervous system into the head and neck area. And if you have, you know, the typical symptoms like fatigue, brain fog, uh, loss of taste and smell, um, it's like 95% effective. It like almost immediately reversing those symptoms. Um, and this has been found in hundreds of patients out of, a, you know, with a, a doctor in, in Austin, no, not Austin, a doctor in Dallas, Texas is doing it. Yep. Um, and so it's not that I'm telling everyone to go do that. The point is that it really highlights the importance of the sympathetic nervous system. If you can tone it down, then you can probably resolve your long COVID just by doing that. So there's other ways of doing that. You know, you can get a simple $35 device called a TENS 7000 units, T-E-N-S 7000. It's like 35 to 50 bucks. It's on Amazon. Uh, you clip it to your ear and there's a very, very low level electrical impulse that stimulates your vagus nerve, which helps to balance out the sympathetic nervous system. So that's one way of doing it other than getting an injection in your neck. I mean, it doesn't work as fast as the injection, but people will report after four to six weeks, you know, they, they're significantly better. And then there's a number of other ways of resetting the, you know, the sympathetic nervous system. What I did myself, I mean, I finally came across this idea of cold plunges. So I, you know, I jump into a freezing ice bath and <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, I know. It's wow. Horrible. Sounds horrible. And, uh, you know, it takes some getting used to, but, uh, um, if you can work yourself up to it, um, it's incredibly effective for any of the kind of the anxiety, insomnia kind of things. And, and a lot of COVID is related. Like most long haulers do have this like heart rate elevated anxiety kind of insomnia picture. And it's all due to that sympathetic nervous system overactivity. And, and so just one of the ways to help to um, reverse that is with the cold plunge. The other, the other way is actually sauna. So they, they work in two different ways. The cold plunge actually stimulates you even more, but then it causes your body to like, push back by like suppressing yeah. that right yeah. so it strongly suppresses it because you've you know revved it up even more than it has been revved up and then the sauna works kind of the other way it just uh you know hits the brakes um so anyway those i are think that's fascinating doctor that that you've that that there is uh you know you just freeze yourself to death and then you just heat yourself up i i, I find that amazing that there's that that the two extremes so, so, they work yeah, so, so it does it does it so basically you're putting your body under stress right so, yes so you and that helps you to fight off things right it strengthens you over time and and it also helps trigger um what are called heat shock proteins. So heat shock proteins, it's kind of a misnomer heat shock because it's really any kind of shock to the cell will trigger those heat shock proteins. And the heat shock protein, so it could be a lot of cold, it could be exercise, it could be fasting, it could be, you know, heat. Um, so heat shock proteins, regardless of, you know, how well they've been named, they um, are triggered by stress and they, they lead to autophagy, which is where your body kind of takes out the trash. So it gets rid of things like yeah. the spike protein and other, you know, things that shouldn't be around. And so so that's one of the ways that it works. And the other way is just by 
helping to modulate your sympathetic nervous system. So like I said, basically all long haulers, it seems, have a sympathetic overactivity state, and it's extremely revved up, and it, it leads to this anxiety, brain fog, you know, insomnia, uh, fatigue, you know, all the, all the typical symptoms of long haul. Um, and one way of kind of resetting that is to rev it up even higher for like a minute or two, you know, and then your, your, your body hits the brakes really hard. So your body has kind of lost its way and it's not hitting the brakes the way it should, but that makes it hits the, hit the brakes. And the other way is just to actually just go ahead and, and, and hit the brakes. And by doing things like sauna, meditation, meditative movements, like Tai Chi, Qigong, yoga, uh, breathing exercises. So there's a lot of different tools in the toolkit that we talk about at this summit. And um, like I said, there's like over, f- not not four hours, there's 40 hours probably of content. I think wow. I said four hours. There's 18 speakers and, and yeah, over 40 hours of content at the summit. Um, so, amazing. The, the, you know, th- that's, the, that's the huge thing about it because a lot of these speakers have gone other places, but they'll have like 30 minutes, maybe 60 minutes to talk. Yeah. And, um, and so they just don't have time to get through their entire presentation. And so, so at this summit is really the first time all these speakers have been able to just like lay it all out and say everything they want to say about the topic. And so, yeah, like I said, Pierre Corey goes on for over two hours um, talking about uh, his entire protocol. Dr. Mubin talks about how do you trigger autophagy? Um, and, uh, and I spend over two hours, like two and a half hours talking about all the different, you know, basically just walking people through the protocol at my go-to doc because I've myself treated probably near a thousand at this point, long haulers specifically and vaccine injured patients. You know, um, I've lost track of how many like acute COVID, I mean, acute COVID, I probably treated seven to 8,000 or more at this point. Wow. Um, <laughs> that is and, amazing. Uh, but, but, but in, in no deaths. Yeah. So incredibly effective. Um, and then for specifically long haul and vaccine injured, um, that's been a big focus in the last, you know, six months or so. And, uh, and so we've seen a lot and, and we've, you know, modified the protocols quite a bit based on what's working and added things, you know, that are working. A lot of it's hit or miss. So, so I just want people to know that like, you don't have to come and get a prescription straight off the bat. There's, you know, you can start, there's a lot of lifestyle things, right? There's intermittent fasting, the cold plunge, you know, the sauna, yep. um, you know, um, you know, just sun exposure is incredibly beneficial, you know, and we explain why. Um, and, uh, and there's other light therapies, ozone therapy. And so a lot of really cheap things that you can get, um, over the counter, you know, supplements and things over the counter, like the natokinase and the seropeptase. And then if, if none of that's working, then you can move on to, you know, prescription drugs like ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and then there's a whole bunch of others. Right. But it's really like, I've never seen anyone try everything yet, right? So I've seen people try one thing and not get better and then try another thing and not get better and then try a third thing and then they get better, right? So if you keep trying things, eventually you'll find something that works. See, that's that is something doctor that uh I find fascinating about all this is that there are folks that you know, they don't try everything. They just try. Yeah, so there's a couple, a couple of things. Reasons, right? Talk to so, us about this. So, so there's there's different buckets of people. So a lot of people will come in and and they'll get like 80, 90 percent better, and then it's just not worth it to them to keep trying. Like they're just like, well, that's good enough, right? And and it's like I'm, or maybe they're like 100 percent better most of the time, 
and then like sometimes their symptoms will come back if they you know if they eat wrong or if they stay up too late or something and they're like well you know it's just I, i'm done with this i, I don't want to keep you know pursuing this anymore i'm it's good enough right so, so yeah. that's that's a major you know it's a large number of people large percentage of people fall into that bucket where they do get better and significantly better but they're not 100 percent better and and then they're just not interested in like continuing to spend money and time trying to figure it out and get to the get to the end. Um, so I think that, that that's fine for them. I think it's uh, important to return to 100 percent, you know, because if there's still the pathology going on inside you, if you still have the microclots, if you still have this underlying inflammation going on, even if it's not as bad as it used to be you don't know what that's going to lead to in the future, right? Are you going to end up with cancer? Are you going to end, like, if you're, you know, the, you know, a young woman, are you going to be able to have kids, right? Like, there's this data out of Europe in uh, August of this year um, showing that there's anywhere from a 4% to an 18% drop, depending on country, in live births in the in this year, in 2022, uh, compared to the, the trailing three years. And it, it seems to, you know, the... The time, you know, course of this seems to coincide with vaccines. So, like when when you had spikes in vaccines, you know, nine months later, you have a, you know, especially the first dose of the vaccines, there's a, you know, less births after that. So it seems to correlate with vaccinations. I mean, it, there could be some other stuff going on at the same time. I mean, maybe it's like people just were less, you know, like Randy, less, you know, interested in <laughs> having babies, or maybe they were depressed, you know, and maybe they just had less sex. I mean, I don't know, right? Like you need to need to look into all of those things but um you know we do know that the vaccines concentrate in the in the ovaries and um and so and we, and there is already data on miscarriages you know from the trials you know showing that they were significantly elevated um yeah so so you don't know what the long-term effects will be um post-vaccine or post-covid right the, so they're both sources of spike protein toxicity right so there's there's a whole group of people who are like well i didn't get vaccinated long covid doesn't exist it's not a real disease you know but and at the same time they believe in the spike protein toxicity it's like well you can get the spike protein you know you can get exposed to it from covid or from the shots i know that like it's it's not exactly the same i think the shots are far worse you know you get exposed to it all over right it goes into every organ of your body and carried by the lipid nanoparticles and, and you probably continue to make the spike protein for months right six months who knows how long yeah um so it's certainly far worse but but it doesn't mean that the that long covid doesn't exist i mean i, I had long covid myself i know it exists i mean it was a bizarre experience right like for six weeks i couldn't taste or smell at all i'd never experienced anything like that in my life and and so many other people are reporting the same thing right so it's it was certainly caused by by that virus right at the beginning of the pandemic and this was before we had ever heard of vaccines i mean it was back in like march of, of the first year of 2020 that i had covid and i got long covid right away um, and then again, I had insomnia and anxiety and, you know, all these things that just came out of nowhere and lasted for, you know, over a year. So, I mean, I, I have personal experience, you know, getting over long COVID. So I know it exists. Um, but yeah, to get back to the main point, it's just that we're seeing the declining birth rates, you know, on, on average across, I think, over 15 countries, it was, it was a drop of seven to 10 percent, which is just huge. Okay. I mean, it's like, yeah, um, it's un, un, totally unprecedented, right? Like we were, we already had a problem with collapsing birth rates. Um, this is just speeding it up dramatically. And if it's the shots, then 
who knows? I mean, it could continue to get worse over time. It won't necessarily get better. It won't necessarily go back to um, the baseline. And if, if our birth rates decline even faster than they were before, we're going to have our societies will collapse, right? Like, yes, our, our economies will collapse. I mean, it's like the end of the world kind of situation. It's not it's not a, you know, Elon Musk has said this, you know, the the biggest threat is not you know overpopulation i mean we just sure we just passed eight billion but we're about to hit a demographic cliff and you know the collapse that's going to come with that um is just going to be horrifying right like you just won't be able to you know societies will collapse we have got a great guest with us today dr hadar joins us here in our broadcast he is amazing um so where where do you think Things are going to be going now that uh, we're into the winter months and it's cold and that is when flus and colds and COVID and all that crap. We're certainly seeing seeing, um, a rise in flu and RSV this year. So, um, you know, the, you know, people have said that, you know, like flu was just kind of like renamed COVID. and, And to some extent, that's true because the flu numbers every year are actually not just the flu they're flu and flu-like illnesses so they're actually like a bunch of viruses clumped together right that's what the cdc does and it it says we had this many cases of flu but it's not actually just the flu so it's like flu plus a bunch of other things that are similar to the flu so um so the flu numbers have always been inflated you know and and they just kind of combine you know hundreds of virus uh, viruses together um, but yeah, we're seeing a huge comeback for the flu with RSV and, and COVID as well. So there is kind of a triple pandemic, triple demic as they're calling it. Um, that is happening. So the, you know, but it's, so the issue is it's, it's quite complicated with the, uh, immunology of it. And, and the person who seems to understand this best is Gert Vandenbosch and, um, but there, there's a, a few different possibilities for what's happening, right? Like one of them is that people who got vaccinated have an immunosuppression and those people are harboring these you know variants of rsv and the flu that may be like multiplying for longer in them because they're immunosuppressed and then they you know have more chance to mutate and become more virulent and then they get passed on to other people and so even if you're not immunosuppressed because of what's going on in the rest of the population because you know you may actually end up getting sick with the RSV or the flu, and and you may get more sick than you would have otherwise. Because also the immunosuppressed people are going to pass on a higher dose of the virus to you, right? So if an immunosuppressed person who got a COVID shot gets the flu or RSV or COVID, since they're immunosuppressed, they can't mount a, like a quick immune response to kill it off, and so it multiplies and they spew out, you know more concentrated, higher numbers of the virus when they're, you know, passing it on to other people. So, you know, how bad an infection is going to be is determined not just by the virulence, but also by the dose that you get, right? So if you get a million, you know, viral particles, you know, coming into your nose, it's different than if you get 10 million, right? So the higher the dose, the the worse your symptoms are going to be, the more sick you're going to get, you know, the more likely you are to get sick at all. Um, so, so that's part of it. The fact that there's immunosuppression in the population, um, and, and that might be the, the long and short of it. Um, the other big concern from Gert Vandenbosch is that also the people who have been immunosuppressed, you know, by the shots, 
the, the virus itself and these other viruses, unfortunately, not just COVID, but, but perhaps even, but, but mostly COVID, right? Because, because the shots specifically um, create these antibodies that are from an old version of COVID. So, so the shots, the, the virus, the COVID virus may, um, you know, mutate into a version that's far more deadly for them just for the vaccinated, not for, not for other people. And since so many people were vaccinated, that's, that's a huge risk, right? That's a societal risk. I mean, if, if people start to die in droves, it affects everyone. It affects the people who are unvaccinated too, because they have less access to hospital services. So if you have, you know, a heart attack or a stroke or something, and the hospital is full of, you know, vaxxed COVID patients, you may not be able to get in, you may not be able to get care. So, you know, this was initially a concern at the beginning of the pandemic that you would have, you know, hospital systems collapsing. It never happened, right? Um, but if it turns into a huge problem where people are just dying in the streets, right? If that actually yes. happened, yes. Then, then the healthcare system would completely collapse. We would go, we would, you know, there would be rioting in the streets. There would be, you know, people dying um, in, in huge amounts. So. What does it take for the, us to tip over the healthcare system like that? It doesn't take that much, right? Like if you if you double or triple the deaths, right, the, or the death rate, um, you might reach that, right? So, so the COVID, the pandemic that we've gone through had maybe a, you know, whatever you want to call it, 0 0.1, 0 0.05, whatever the death rate was. I mean, it was very low, right? It was like a bad flu season, you know. In retrospect, yeah. it was just like a. A, you know, a bad flu, um, but not like the end of the world. It wasn't like the 1918 flu or anything. It was just like a moderately bad flu year. Um, but what if it goes 10x that, right? What if it's 10 times yep. more than that? And, and yep. it's hundreds of millions of people getting it, right? And, you know, millions of people dying. Then, you know, societies, you know, unfortunately, we would have societal collapse and we would you know, go way beyond the COVID lockdowns and the government overreach that we had last time, right? Like we would go into yes. probably martial law. It, it would probably be martial law oh, situation. Yeah. yeah, that's that's well, and and doctor, give give us your take on this uh, the these COVID. Uh, I guess you would call them demonstrations over there in China, where they're like now calling in the military to. Uh, Get yeah, these guys you know, in the lockdown to, and everything else. Going on. You know, like one, you know, if you talk to economists and people from Wall Street, you know, their perspective is that um, all of this was kind of like a pandemic, right? And it was in the lockdowns and all of that were in order to trick people into thinking that economic collapse is happening because of COVID and we can't. You know, it's no one's fault. You know, we had the lockdown and unfortunately it led to an economic, you know, depression, whatever. Um, so maybe that's what's going through Xi's mind is that we know that we're having an economic, you know, slow, huge economic slowdown coming. And so let's try to, you know, blame it on COVID and blame it on these lockdowns that we had to, you know, unfortunately our hands were tied banner. You know, we just had to lock down. We couldn't help it because because COVID. Um, so, so maybe that's what's going on. Maybe that's what happened in the U.S. Maybe that's what happened everywhere around the world. It was kind of a planned kind of demolition of the economy um, because people have been expecting an economic collapse for the last few years now, right? Like we had printed trillions of dollars and we were just like teetering along, just about to, you know, everything was about to blow up. And what happens when, you know, the economy collapses, people 
their wealth disappears, right? Um, and, you know, their stock wealth disappears, their housing wealth disappears, all their wealth disappears, and then it gets bought up for pennies on the dollar by the rich, you know, the rich, you know, corporations and, yep. you know, if yep. <laughs> Wall Street basically comes and buys it up. Um, and so if, it, if it's a bad enough collapse, that leads to societal breakdown and, you know, rioting and unrest. And so, so this pandemic is kind of like, okay, let's try to do a controlled demolition of this economy instead of having it like unravel, you know, suddenly without our, our ability to control it. And at the same time, institute these measures where we can like really restrict the population and control them. Right. So you have lockdowns have been, you know, instituted and you've had like trial runs, right. To see like how far can we push these people, um, without them rioting, right? So they discovered that, you know, we're a very compliant citizenry. If you tell us the right things, if you scare us the right way, we'll stay in our homes. We, we won't we won't leave, right? Yes, if, you are so, correct on that, so Maybe sir. that's what's happening in China. I don't know, because it, it's hard to make sense of it otherwise, right? Like, these people are smart, right? Like, they're not stupid. Um, so they must know that lockdowns don't work, right? So that must mean, assuming they know that lockdowns don't work, there must be some other reason for them, right? Yes. So, so this is one of the one of the possibilities, probably the the best one. Well, doctor, before we uh, let you go and we wrap up here, uh, what is the best spot to send people to uh, get involved with what you're doing and everything? Yeah. So if you're interested in learning more about long COVID and vaccine injuries, um, you know all the different ways of treating them, I highly recommend going to longcovidreset.com. And, uh, and if you just want, you know, acts, you know, some, um, you know, it depends on what you're looking for. So you can go to long haul reset on Facebook. It's a Facebook group and you can get access to a lot of people who are dealing with this problem. And then if you want prescriptions or if you want like free medical advice, you can go to my go Um, you can register for free or you can register and pay for a prescription. If you register for free, then you get access to our patient portal and you can ask us questions for free and we'll, we'll answer you. Fantastic. Well, doctor, you are amazing as always. I really uh, learn a heck of a lot every time we have you on. <laughs> I just Thanks. you you are you are well uh, educated and 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 you know you are way wise beyond your years, my friend. So uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you for making time for us. Thanks for coming on, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you, doctor. My pleasure. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. There he goes. The fabulous, fabulous. Good doctor with us today, Hadar. And uh, that is that. That wraps it up here from this audition of the world famous Chiggy Jaguar radio broadcast. We are going to get to our next guest next time. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.